Sorry about that. You didn't give me your normal nod. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And yes, you were missed. Okay. This morning, we are going to read out of Luke 6. And we're going to be starting with, uh, yeah, up there, 30, uh, 37 through 49. Give you a second. Um, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? That'd look funny. Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks." Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Pam. Well, this weekend, we've had a full busy weekend here at Bethany Church. We, were, uh, we hosted this weekend our Evangelical Free Church Northwest uh, Conference uh, District uh, uh, um, con- uh, Conference here. We had a great time. We had uh, over 100 people in the room here and uh, round tables out there, gathered out there to eat our meals. We had a fantastic speaker, Jeff Vanderstelt. It was a really good time. So I wanted just to uh, take a minute um, uh, to thank those of you who helped out. We had Janine Wibbles who kind of led up a one-time sort of hospitality team. She did such a fantastic job gathering people and getting them ready and serving meals and coffee and desserts and all that stuff. So if, uh, if Janine's in here, anybody else that helped, whether it was tech, sound, or with the hospitality team, would you stand for a minute? We just want to acknowledge all the hard work you did this weekend. Yeah, we got a few people here. All the ladies back there and Bruce back there. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. We had such a good weekend, gathered uh, 
pastors and wives and other leaders from about 40 evangelical free churches that are in uh, Oregon, Washington, and Western Idaho here. It's just a, a really neat time to be together. And I want to thank you, Bethany Church, because um, we have a space that could be used for this. And it's a nice space, and it's a welcoming space, and a warm space, and a bright space. And you're responsible for that, actually, as we fixed it up a few years back. And I heard lots of wonderful comments like, this was such a welcoming, warm space. Thank you for for welcoming us in. So thank you to you, Bethany Church, because your finances helped us do that a few years back. And the Lord, in his providence, was already looking ahead to us hosting it. We didn't even know we were going to host it this year, but they asked, so we said, sure. Thank you, Bethany Church. Well, we finish up today what many have called the Sermon on the Plain. Would you pray with me? Lord, open our hearts and minds to your truth. Give us the words we need to hear. And may your grace just abound in our hearts today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So they said it's called the Sermon on the Plain. We're finishing it up. It's, it's Luke's uh, counterpart to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount and a lot of uh, overlapping of material. The, the most famous and impactful sermon the world has ever heard or known uh, since Jesus' life. Whether you're a Christ follower today or you're not sure where you're at with Jesus, maybe you're exploring who Jesus is, trying to figure out what his message is and why these people always talk about him and, and love him, you probably still know something of this sermon, at least something. Uh, I think most people probably have heard of something called the golden rule. It sort of worked its way from the sermon into popular culture from Luke and Matthew's version into culture, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them, the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And today's portion of this sermon is kind of an extension of this truth. How do we treat, or or how, excuse me, we treat ourselves, um, kind of speaks to how we will treat others. How we will handle ourselves uh, sometimes might be a foreshadow prediction of how we will handle others. Uh, And uh, an extension of this is a question, are we a people, are you a person whose internal life matches up with your external life? Do they, are they congruent? Do they go together? It's the idea of integrity. That's our kind of big theme today. Do what we say and do match up with who you, we are, with who you are? And if it doesn't, Jesus describes it negatively today with the word hypocrisy. So the positive is integrity. The negative description of that is hypocrisy. Look at chapter 6, 41 and 42. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite, there's the word. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck that's in your brother's eye. The word hypocrisy is really um, uh, the English word that's just the, uh, really the same, actually, as the Greek word. It's pretty much the same word. Hypocrite. And it was used in ancient Greece, it was used for actors on the Greek stage. An actor would wear a mask, as you see a couple of them there behind me. An actor would wear a mask to project to the crowd what type of character they were playing. If they were a sad character, they'd obviously wear a sad mask. If they were a happy character, they would wear a mask that had a big smile on it. 
So for an actor who's playing a part on the stage who's wearing a mask, there could be a total disconnect between what was going on inside that actor's heart, actually, and the part, as one pastor said. A disconnect between the heart and the part, wearing a mask. A really happy person could play a sad character as they put on that sad mask. In fact, that's the definition of a good actor, isn't it? Hypocrisy. They can play something totally different than what's actually going on inside them as a real human. And in acting, if you're really, really good, it can win you the Academy Award. But in life, to have a disconnect between the root, your heart, and the fruit of your life, your heart and the part you're playing, will bring your life to total ruin. As Jesus describes the home built with no foundation, you will be destroyed. So in acting, it's great skill to have. In life, it's totally devastating to not have your heart match up with your actions or root with fruit. Now those masks, they're just kind of creepy too, actually, (laughs) and a little scary to see the masks like that. But I actually think this passage is a little scary as well. And... um, in fact, in the All Church email this week, I kind of said that sort of as clickbait for you. Maybe some of you saw that. Anybody and be like, oh, a scary passage. I better click it to read the passage before we get there. And I actually, I hope you do that. I hope every week you look ahead or from the worship folder from last week, we put it on the bottom to read the passage ahead to prepare your heart and get ready or pray over the passage. But it is a scary passage because we don't like to look at our hearts. We really don't like to do that. We don't like to peek under the hood at our engines, what's driving us, or inside of us as the, um, the central processing unit that's like inside a co- computer or the guts of a computer or the, the guts of an engine or the, 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 our, our guts, us, our insides, who we are. We don't like that. Or if we do look, we'd rather, or if others are looking, we'd rather divert attention to someone else's speck, Jesus says today, than address our own plank or log. Or we'd rather maybe airbrush our own stuff or cover it over and point out other stuff and then point fingers and maybe quietly slip out the back door. It's a little bit of a scary passage. We don't like to look at our hearts. I think these questions might help us understand the weight of this passage and the reality that Jesus is telling us that we need to be people of integrity to not only survive, but to, to, to flourish and to be relationally skilled people who can love our neighbor and love those in our life. Here's a few questions. How do we become people of integrity as we deal with the sin in our own lives or maybe the sin in others' lives around us? How do we become people of integrity as we deal uh, with knowing who we truly are as a person, as we look under the hood or at the central processing unit, the CPU, and, and then help others to know themselves? How do we do that? These are really challenging questions, they are, but they're integral, integrity, I guess, integral, to the spiritual health and growth of the new kingdom of God's people. In fact, to not know this is to come to ruin, Jesus says, like a blind man leading a blind, or a house built with no foundation when a storm comes, it it, it crumbles. So we're going to look at three truths today, three truths about integrity that are going to challenge ourselves to self-accountability, to integrity, so that we don't wear a mask, but be real, truthful, loving, gentle, obedient apprentices of Jesus. Because that's a disciple. 
an apprentice. Hopefully you got your outline there. There's a few points there for those of you that like to write and learn well that way or remember things by writing. Do that. Take notes. You got some next steps there, some growth group questions on the back. And have our text open too to Luke 6 as we look at our first truth. Here it is. It's a long one. Apprenticing to the one teacher, Jesus. We'll give you these things. If you apprentice to him, he will give you generosity and forgiveness, clear vision in conflict, and an integrity in obedience. You won't be a mask wearer. You'll, your, your, your roots will match the fruit. Generosity and forgiveness, clear vision in conflict, and integrity and obedience. You know, it's not, this passage is not only a scary passage, it's actually, I think, one of the most misinterpreted passages in the Bible, actually. Um, judge not, therefore you won't be judged. Uh, especially for Christians, actually. You know, we hear Jesus' words, don't judge, lest you be judged. And I think we've come to maybe mean, think about that in the church, that that just means don't say a word about anything. Don't address sin. Uh, who am I to speak, you know, who am I to speak about someone else's sin in their life? And if you combine that, maybe view of judge not lest you be judged, we combine that with this kind of our, our culture's subtle, subtle redefinition of love to be only affirming what we see in others, that subtle shift on love, you could see how we might misinterpret Jesus' words really easily. But the issue is not avoiding all conflict. The issue is not or, or addressing sin. It can't be that. Look at verse 38. He says in verse 38, um, give and it will be given. Oh, excuse me, I want to look at verse, uh, da, 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 da. where was it? 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not condemn. Forgive and you will be forgiven. He doesn't say, don't judge, don't condemn, and then just stops there. He, still, he goes on to say, still says forgive. He goes on to tell someone, uh, tells us, excuse me, how to help someone with their speck. So he doesn't just say don't judge, don't condemn, swipe it under the rug. No, he still says you have to forgive. So you're still dealing with the issue. It wasn't swept under the rug because forgiveness was still talked about there. Forgiveness still had to be offered. Forgiveness still had to be granted, which meant that whatever the issue is wasn't just suppressed or swept under the rug. What's important is what Jesus is getting at is what kind of heart we have when we address conflict and sin issues. He's not saying, you know, we're never to speak of these things, don't judge, just never say a word. No, no, no. He's saying, how will you actually go about judging other people's actions and words? What kind of heart will you have when you do it? Because I want you to be a forgiving people. So you have to address it. So here in this first truth, we're looking at verses 37 to 40, the first half of the passage, and the end of the passage, 46 to 49, where Jesus says, build your life on me, the firm foundation, and you'll stand. And we're kind of pulling these both together, and then we'll get to the middle section. And, and here in these first verses, Jesus tells a short story or, or a parable. If you're led by a blind person and you are blind, what's going to happen? <laughs> he raises this scenario for you. You're going to be in trouble, aren't you? The blind leading the blind, he's saying. You'll fall into a pit. You'll not see the curb. You'll not see the steps. You'll bump into things. You'll make a mess of your life. Blind leading blind. 
Jesus is really, as he comes here, in this first section and the last section, he's making really exclusive claims that Christians need to pay attention to the voices that we, he or she or we are listening to. And really only build, think of the house and the foundation, only build or follow the one true authoritative teaching voice of Jesus. Saying the blind lead the blind. You know, you're going to become like your teacher, disciple. So who are you following? Is it blind leading blind? Or are you just going to build on something that's just a mess and no foundation? He's making these really exclusive claims If we want to be the type of people, he's saying, who are generous in our forgiveness, as those first verses say, or have a clear vision in conflict, which we're going to get to in a little bit, or see the plank before the speck, right, that idea, and integrity and obedience, which he talks about at the end of the passage, we will be all about Jesus' life and teaching. We have to be, because blind leading blind doesn't work, and building your life on a shaky foundation doesn't work. We have to be about Jesus and his teaching. In many ways, the center of this passage is the plank, uh, the log, as ESV says, and the speck. And to address a speck the right way, you have to be a person of integrity. And that type of person is a generous person in forgiveness. that clearly sees the plank and a person who obeys Jesus. Why does that matter? I mean, if you come to address something in somebody's life and you're living a hypocritical life, are they going to trust you? Are they going to listen to your words? No. Not if your fruit doesn't match your root. In fact, the definition of hypocrisy is a Christian who only gives lip service to Jesus' teaching and doesn't attempt to live them. In fact, 1 John says, if you say you follow the Lord and love him and you don't obey him, you are a liar, John says in 1 John. That's the definition of hypocrisy. In other words, obedience matters. Obedience matters. It's not a popular concept today, but obedience matters in our mission to those in our life, to see that our fruit matches our root when people look at your life. Obedience matters in our mission to our coworkers. If we want to love them, we want to be loving people too. Or in, or in addressing the sin we see in the lives of those that we love, family, friends, obedience matters. To say we love Jesus or to call him Lord is actually meaningless unless our life is constantly reforming and growing and conforming to his. You see, when the root doesn't match the fruit. And Jesus says here that the voices that you listen to will shape you. They absolutely will shape you. Verse 40 is our cover verse, but you can look in the text there. He says, A disciple's not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. Who we follow, Jesus is saying, we become like. Or have you heard, you, you, you are what you love? You've heard that phrase, right? Or you are what you eat, you are what you love, but you are what you listen to. You are who you listen to, or you become like who you are listening to. Jesus is making a very clear warning here. I am the one true authoritative voice. And if you follow a blind person or you follow one that doesn't know me and or listen to that voice, you'll become like that person. Followers of Jesus become 
like Jesus. That's the simplest way to put it. Followers of Jesus become like Jesus. It's really critical for us to stop here just for a moment. And we're talking about self-accountability today. To do a little bit of that for a moment. And a pause. And just kind of ask yourself, what is the diet of your authoritative verses in your life? Think about that for a minute. Where do your voices come from? Hopefully they're not just in your head, but hopefully they're voices you're listening to, voices that you're following. It's really critical to think about that. Is it through social media? We all have different avenues, or YouTube, you know, you turn it on, you, that autoplay, oh, that's the worst thing ever on YouTube. The autoplay, it just keeps going, you're like, the next thing comes up, and because there is an algorithm, they know what you're watching, so they have a, their job is to keep you as long as possible, total rabbit trail, but um, the YouTube autoplay, is it that one? The voices, or is it cable news, or is it the guys at the gym, is it coworkers? is it neighbors, is it maybe other pastors that you listen to? It's good just to think about what are you hearing? What are you filling your mind and heart with? Not that we can't find voices to listen to. That's that's wise and good to do. But what are you hearing? What are you filling your heart and mind with? Because as Jesus implies, what we are taught or what we listen to shapes us. And not just what we believe or think in our head, but it shapes our character too either into a generous, clear-sighted, obedient people of integrity or something else. And I would say just as important as what the voices, our authoritative voices that we listen to, just as important as what they say is actually how do they say it? Because that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's not saying don't address a problem, don't address sin, but do it. How are you going to do it? What's the heart motive for what the voices that we listen to, what's their heart motive for what they say? Jesus says here, our fruit comes for our, from our roots, and out of our hearts, our words come out of the overflow. If you're listening to a bitter voice, or an angry voice, or a sarcastic voice, or a condemning or hypocritical voice, what happens over time? That is that question that kind of comes up, and you're like, why am I finding myself a little more angry or condemning? I mean, it shouldn't surprise us, actually. You, you know this is true. Some of you grew up in a home with really sarcastic parents. And maybe they're really good at cracking jokes, right? They had a really great sense of humor. Or sarcastic parents. But what became the tone of the house? Sarcasm, right? Some of us grew up with parents who uh, spoke... Gentle words of love and correction. And if that was you, what was the tone of your house? It was one of gentle correction. The dominating, authoritative, leading voices, what did they do? They shape a house, don't they? They shape a family. So we have to listen. We have to realize that it's not just what somebody says, but how they say it too and how it will shape us. To follow Jesus means our hearts will begin to line up with his and we will be people of generosity, forgiveness, and integrity. Because it's not just what Jesus says, it's how he went about doing it with people. With compassion and love and humility. 
when he talked about really hard things. And we'll be obey and build our lives on him. So that what you see begins to truly be what you get. We will live lives of integrity and consistency. What you see is what you get. What you see, the fruit matches the root. We're not wearing masks. We're truthful and transparent. See, that's a little easier said than done, isn't it? (laughs) Remember, this is a scary passage. We don't like to look sometimes. Why is it so hard? Because our hearts actually have an incredible capacity for self-deception. So we've got to look at our second truth. That's our first one. Here's our second truth. And kind of the scary part of this passage. The reason for a hypocritical spirit is a lot of times a lack of personal accountability or personal awareness or personal self-examination. I'm not talking about like navel-gazing here or becoming morbidly introspective, not anything like that, or self-obsessed, not at all. But look at verse 41 and 42 again. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye when you yourself don't, you don't see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck that's in your brother's eye. So this is for everyone. This is all for all of us now. These truths. If something's in the Sermon on the Mount or here in Luke's Sermon on the Plain, you know this is, this is universal application. This is for all people. And here's what Jesus is saying. We are so prone to not see our own sin, to have blind spots, to not see it, to not see the plank in our eye. And we're inclined to point out the speck, the sin in someone else's eye. And when we do that, what we're really doing is we're diverting attention away from our own heart, that personal accountability piece. We don't like to look at it. We're diverting attention away because it it is painful and it is scary at times to look inside and to understand that if, if something, harsh words, a judgmental spirit comes out of me, what does that mean? It was already inside of me. So when you're driving on the road and somebody pulls up next to you and, or cuts you off or slams on their brakes, you're like, come on, man, what are you doing? You know, we think it was, it's that guy's fault that I'm angry. We think it's him. No, 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 no. The cutting you off was just the situation to kind of stir you up a little bit. What came out of you was already what? Inside of you. That's why this is so hard. You know, one of the hardest parts of relationships or dating or in particular marriage as you get closer is that you have someone now who's able to affirm in you, and this is for all of us, all the faults that your family pointed out to you growing up. <laughs> it's reality, isn't it? That's the way it can go. You know, you just thought your parents were crazy or just too conservative and up, or uptight, right? Or if it was your friends that used to point out your faults, you were like, well, yeah, I, I know Fred's history. I don't trust a word that comes out of his mouth. I know Fred, right? I ain't see behind the mask. I'm not trusting a word he says about me. But then comes your spouse, right? But then comes your kids. Did you have, did you have that happen too? You know, um, Dad, you told me we have to be honest over and over. Why, why are we pirating the Super Bowl off the internet? <laughs> or Dad, you want me to be honest, but 
I was listening to your conversation you had on the phone with Grandma right now. That wasn't the whole truth that you told her. But you, you told us to be honest. See, we see the speck, or don't we, in other, somebody else's eye, but we can't see the log in our own eye, the plank, the log. So we point to the speck so we don't have to deal with the plank. Or we look down on others, a judgmental spirit in a way that really is kind of image management or photoshopping. We all have those amazing filters on our phones now, don't we? I mean, you can take a picture and you click a filter button, you're like, I just knocked 30 years off my face, you know, with a filter. <laughs> you know, those things we could or airbrush or make it brighter. We all know about kind of photoshopping and filtering now, and it only takes a push of a little button. We're in the business of that with our hearts. That's what Jesus is getting at today. We're in the business of photoshopping or airbrushing an image. And you know, this isn't just to put on a mask for the world to hide. That's not just what we're doing, just that mask. But it's actually because what verse 42 says, it's not that we just won't admit it, our sin. It's that we don't even see it, he says. You don't even see the log in your own eye. We don't like to look at our sin. Have you ever had one of those moments? where you're standing talking to someone, maybe it's at work or at church and you're talking to somebody and you say something negative about someone else. Maybe it's when you had family visiting over and you're just getting irritated by day four and you're talking to your spouse like, I can't believe they just keep leaving their stuff on the counter. And all of a sudden you're like, realize, oh, they're right in the next room and the door's open. And I said that really loud. Um, you know, or at work, you know, he's such a, he's an annoying jerk, you know, and you realize he's in the next office with the door open or the, the, the you're, oh, we're at cubicles. We don't have offices. He's right there, actually. You had one of those moments where you say something and you realize they were right there next to you. We don't like those moments, do we? Like where the cover's ripped off, where the mask is ripped off, where the fruit is like spilling out of us, like just coming out of us. Now, it's one thing to fool the world with a mask, and that's a serious problem. That is a problem. We want to acknowledge that. But it's quite another when you even fool yourself, when we're not personally accountable to ourselves, but you have those moments where it's like ripped off and you really see what's going on under the hood. You really get a look. So this is, this is deeper than what you might think of as hypocrisy. It's not just fooling the world of self-deception. Jesus says, you failed to see the plank but it's strange. What is, he, what is he, I mean, it's kind of weird because if you had a plank in your eye, don't you think you'd see it? I mean, don't you think you'd see it? You would know if you had a big board, two by four, sticking out of your head? Like you would see it. Well, a plank here or the log that the ESV uses, it's really not a great uh, word. It's not a great translation because really what it means, it's like a cross beam in a house is what the root word really is. It's kind of like those beams. Take a look for a minute. Look up at our beams in here. Do you see? Everybody, I want everybody to look up. It's good to use your body and worship and move and like get, get your mind kind of going. Look up at those beams. That's kind of what Jesus is talking about here. The, the wood-wrapped beams we have up there. I mean, that, that, that means it's huge. It's not just a two-by-four. It's a cross beam in a room of our, or a house that's in our eye. That means it's like a billion times bigger than a speck, right? Billions of times bigger than a speck. But Jesus doesn't mean here, we want to be clear, he doesn't mean that the plank is a 
big sin like murder and the speck in the brother's eye is a little sin like a white lie. No, no, no. He's pointing to the fact, I think, that we, we don't see it, but we do see it with this plank idea, this massive beam. That we don't see it, but we do see it. A plank is obvious. It's that big, but we don't see it. First thing you got to do is you got to see the plank. You have to see the plank. Getting something in your eye is horrible, isn't it? It can drop you to the floor, can it? Getting something in your eyeball. Have you ever done that, had it happen like driving or you're trying to read something and you get something in your eye? I mean, it, it can drop you to the floor. You see it, you know it's there, don't you? It dropped you to the floor. You feel it. That's the only thing you can feel at that moment, right? Something in my eye, I need help. You're like, you know, wandering around like a blind man, holding your eyeball. You see it, you know it's there. But on the other hand, it's in your eye. And it's so close, you, you can't see it. You see it, but you don't see it. Our sin is like this. You see it, but you don't see it. That's why Jesus is confronting us. Because we don't see it, but we do see it, and we choose not to see it. Or better yet, we do what we've been doing since the garden, since day one. You know, one moment they're naked and free and happy and running around frolicking in the garden, right? The next minute, it's like, put a fig leaf on it. I mean, that's really what they did. That is what they did. Cover up already. Cover up. I mean, whether you're a Christian or not today, whether you're a follower of Christ today or not, we all sense there's something really wrong with us. You know, on one hand, there's a plank in your eye. You know it. You know it. We know it's something big. You know it's not a little speck. You know it's big, like a crossbeam in a house. Like right up there. It, it, it's not just a speck. It's not just a minor flaw. No, it's a big plank. It's a big log. And we use all kinds of things in life to cover it up. We see it, but we don't see it, right? Sometimes we do that by pointing out the speck in someone else. That's our fig leaf. Get the attention off of me. Put it on someone else. For some of us, that might even be the reason we don't even like attention. What are they going to find out? Are they going to see the thing I see, but I'm trying not to see? Are they going to point it out too? For some of us, that might be the reason you're shy, maybe. I don't know. You have to ask the Lord about that. It could be. It could be just a natural personality bent too. So I'm not going to say you're shy. It's not a sin. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, though, you know, like, why do you get so uncomfortable when people look at you? Could it be that, you know, a fig leaf? Or we point out the speck in others' eyes, you know, that's fig leaf. For some of it, it's our piousness. It's our religiosity. It's a fig leaf for the plank. I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of the good ones. I've read the best books. I've been to all the studies. I know the Bible answers. Just ask me. For some of us, that is a fig leaf for the plank that we really know is there. For some of us, it's a lot of people, it's just flat-out rejection of Christ and Christianity. I don't need that. A God to die for me? Well, I mean, that could be your fig leaf, too. Remember, he's, he is the light that has come into the world to shine on our planks, isn't he? 
to shine on the darkness, our big plank. Who likes that? None of us. Who can like that actually apart from the Holy Spirit doing a work in a heart? Can you? No, 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 you can't. We need the Holy Spirit to do that work. We're all in a sense then photoshopping on some level. We're putting fig leaves on some level to convince ourselves that I am okay. I'm okay. We see it, but we don't see it. The first thing we have to do is just see it and admit it, acknowledge it. So what do you do when you see it? What do you do after that? We remove the plank. You see it first. Then Jesus says in the verses, remove the plank. And remember, as we talk about this now, the plank is not just a sin or two. It's not just, um, you know, uh, one sin or two sins and you see it. No, it's the cosmic problem of your heart's alienation from God. It's a big problem. It's a big thing. Remember, it's a, it's a beam through a room like that. It's big. And Jesus is saying to us, you know, you won't be able to gently help your brother with sin unless you're gentle, forgiven, have obedience and integrity so that they can trust you. See, it's all relationship with Jesus. It's all in the relationships. As as Emma pointed out to us today, her relationships that have impacted her life, the other students, the adults in her life, it's all relationships with Jesus. That's what he's doing here. He's building a people, not just so we'd be like the good ones. He's giving us relational skills is what he's doing so that we can be the type of people that love our neighbors and love others in the church and go outside the church and and not bash them over the head with a plank we forgot's in our eye. He's building relational skills. Taking the speck out of someone's eye isn't just pointing it out like, eh, you know, and they used to do in, in you know, you walked out of the bathroom, you had toilet paper still sticking to your foot, and like, <laughs> you know, look at the speck. It's not, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. It's not just pointing it out. It's actually helping someone in their sin. That's what it is. And you won't, you, you can't actually be that type of person unless first your plank is removed. That's what Jesus is saying. You, you can't do that. You, so, I mean, real honestly, you can't be a disciple unless you begin to have that plank taken out. And it's not just making a list of our sins and quitting them. That's not what Jesus is saying here. No, it's seeing a deeper, desperate need of your heart and the sin residing there and then your propensity to cover it with a fig leaf. So see, a Christian looks not only at her sins, but even even her reason for her good works apart from Jesus. It's to be suspect of self. It's to realize that we're pretty good at keeping ourselves from being self-accountable. So removing the plank then, to remove it, is the full acknowledgement that my problem is so much bigger than I realize. It's like a crossbeam in a house on my head. It's a problem with my heart. It's the very core of who I am is the problem Jesus is saying. And I need somebody to remove this plank. I've got to get it out. And that's where repentance and faith come in. Repentance and faith. Do you see what we're talking about here? Jesus, what Jesus is doing here, we've, I kind of said this already, but he's, he's training us in relational skills. He's training us in this entire sermon. Remember back last week, how to love people inside the church, how to love people outside the church, 
how to even love our enemies. Do you know what true spirituality is? It's, it's spontaneously loving your enemies, just, just instinctively loving them. And, and then now he's saying, here's how you're going to help each other with sin in your life. He's, he's, getting, he's working us to be, uh, I mean, professional humans. Maybe that's the word he's turning us into. He's trying to make us relationally skilled. And the only way to have the emotional health to be a person who's open to criticism, are you open to criticism? If not, maybe you haven't seen the log. Are you open to criticism? Finding out who you truly are, taking a look under the hood at your heart, and what needs to change, and to be a person of integrity so that what you believe on the inside is what's on the outside. You've got to be built up. You've got to be equipped. You've got to be trained with the fact that he loves you unconditionally. And he loves you absolutely enough to deal with your plank. And the security from his infallible love that he has done everything for you. You got to have that kind of security. You got to have the plank removed. You got to have it taken out. It's the work of the Spirit, the work of the gospel. And when a person is leveled by the gospel and the Lord Himself removes the plank from a person as they're truly honest with who they are, he or she is also built up by the gospel. When they realize how loved they are, that they're secure enough. Humble enough, enough integrity to now go and be someone that in gentleness helps remove the speck in somebody else's eye. Remember, it's not that we, judgmental means like never deal with it, because remember he says, forgive as you've been forgiven. You need to forgive. You see, the speck here now, as we talk about this, the speck isn't a smaller sin. That's not what it means. Remember, the plank was to let us realize that we see it, we don't see it. That doesn't mean the speck was a smaller sin in, in your brother or sister, that it was just kind of a piece of dust that got in there, kind of insignificant. No, because how many of you have been floored by a speck in your eye? That too, right? A speck, you're trying to even find it. You're like, I can't even, where is it? I can't, I know it's in there, but I can't even see it. It's so tiny, but it feels like a boulder in your eyeball, Right? A speck. All of us. So it's the real deal, the speck. It's a real thing. It's a real issue. What's going on here is as it's a speck and a log, Jesus is wanting us to see it's more about how the attitude of the helper comes rather than the presence of the speck. Here's the scenario. Dude, I think I got something in my eye. Hey, don't worry, I'll help you get it out. I mean, how many of you are going to let that guy help you? <laughs> how safe is that guy in the red shirt there? How safe is a, are you as a person if you have a giant plank hanging off of your head? How safe are you as a human being to be around? You're not safe at all, are you? That's the mental image Jesus wants us to get. In fact, you're, you may be abrasive. You may be heavy-handed or... Heavy-headed, I guess, is the better word. <laughs> and judgmental, maybe. In fact, a lot of times if you're the one with the plank and you're really wanting to help somebody with the speck, a lot of time your neighbor is just a fig leaf to make you feel good about yourself, to hide your own plank. Or maybe it's your neighbor who you ridicule or talk down judgmentally. I'm the nice one. He's the evil one. I mean, how attractive is that to your neighbor that we're called to love? Or the person in your life or your coworker. If you're always walking around, they see, 
you know, they might not say you've got a plank, but when you come walking down the hall, they might be like, whoa, back up, here he comes, here she comes. We just know there's something giant swinging around her head as she comes, the giant plank. Or how about if I came to you and said, I'm going to help you get that thing out of your eye, and I brought a fork with me. <laughs> it's a speck. Hey, let me help you get that out. I got a fork. I'm going to help you get that out of your eyeball. No, no, no. How do you do it? How do you help somebody get a speck out of it? You've done it with your children or somebody else. It's a gentle, isn't it? Caring, loving touch. I mean, you're going to stick your finger on someone's eyeball. That's kind of how you do it. You, know, you kind of, let me get it. You kind of tap it. You've done that to yourself or somebody else. How gentle do you have to be and caring and loving touch do you have to give to get a speck out of an eye? That's why he calls it a speck. Remember I said it's more about the attitude of the one helping. It's not the size of the sin. It's what does it take to get a speck out? It takes really gentle, loving, tender, obedient, humble people that have already had their log taken out. That's what it takes. That's what he's getting at. Or it's like when somebody sticks something in your ear to help get the wax out. Have you had somebody do that for you? Oh, it's right there. Let me help you get it. It's right there. I can get it. I get that. And you're like, you're pulling away as they're doing it. You've had that feeling. You know, that's how gentle you have to be. Listen, if we're going to be the type of people who love our neighbors with the gospel, we're going to have to be a people who not only apprentice to the one teacher, Jesus, we're going to have to follow his teaching. We're going to have to get the plank out. We're going to have to be humbled by the gospel. We're going to have to be a people that can see straight and clear and know that I'm no better than the person I'm trying to help with the speck. Mine was a plank, and I couldn't even see it. We're going to have to be people who can see straight. You know, too many professed Christians, we bash people over the head with our plank wherever we turn. Wherever we turn. The plank is giant, remember? So you just think about this when we close. How do we really deal with this? Because he talks about it as this like cross beam here. How do we deal with this? Jesus in John chapter 2, he said he didn't entrust himself to the people. Do you know why? He didn't entrust himself to them because he knew all the people, John wrote, and he knew what was inside of them. John is saying that Jesus didn't trust anybody because he knew it was in us. Jesus could see the big giant planks in all the people's eyes, clearer than anybody else. He looked right into our eyes and he saw it rightly, clearly. We don't really see other people's sins well until we acknowledge our own. You can't see straight. Jesus was the sinless man. He saw straight. He saw the plank in our eyes. We will tell ourselves what we need about other people to feel good about ourselves. Or we need to believe that we're nice and somebody else is not nice or the evil one to feel good about ourselves. He saw clearly. We do the fig leaf thing. He saw clearly, and what did he do? Take a look at that beam again. Everybody look up at it. And then, like, our building is never more architecturally fit for, like, a sermon illustration. Follow the beam that way, and where does it end? Right? He saw your beam, and then he died on a beam for you. <laughs> he saw your beam, and then he took our beams, and he died for them on a, on a cross beam. You see that? He did that for us. He was nailed to it. He was crucified on it. If you don't come to the cross, which is what the table brings us to today, 
we'll never be able to help anyone with their own stuff, with their own sin. But Jesus says, he sees the wrong we've done and he deals with it. Do you believe that? Do you believe he died, took the plank for you? And that really getting out of your eye is just giving it to him or going to the cross. 